Welcome in to another episode of the Gin Jag Podcast, the third straight day we're coming at you. The Combine has just been loaded with news for the Jaguars, or Combine Week, I should say. I'm your host, Jordan DeLugo. Follow me on Twitter, at Jordan DeLugo. Follow the show on Twitter, at Generation Jag, and on Facebook and Instagram, at Generation Jaguar. Like to thank Bold City Brewery, the one and only sponsor of the Gen Jag podcast. You can find them online at boldcitybrewery.com, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Bold City Brewery, and make sure to visit their tap rooms in downtown and Riverside. Um, we've got a packed show again today. A lot of fun stuff going on around the league today. Just came out that Jason Witten will be rejoining the Dallas Cowboys, leaving the Monday Night Football booth. Uh, he's certainly a better tight end than he is a color analyst for the ESPN Monday Night Football booth, but still some interesting news there. Said he wants to get back with that team. They have a lot of young talent and uh, help them get to a championship. So that'll be an interesting development to watch throughout the season. Uh, but uh, we've also got a lot of other fun stuff going on. Quarterback combine measurements came in today, so all the rookie quarterbacks were getting measured, uh, seeing how tall they are, how much they weigh, hand measurements, etc. We'll get into that. We will talk a little bit about Deceptive Dave Caldwell. He spoke to the media yesterday. A lot of people are reading a lot into what he had to say, and I just wanted to touch on that. I uh, wanted to get into the Nick Foles uh, situation. Jaguars are being considered favorites by many around the league to land Nick Foles now that he's going to be a free agent. And then I wanted to provide my personal quarterback offseason blueprint for the Jaguars today. Uh, so without further ado, let's go ahead and get into it. Uh, the quarterback combine measurements. Let's start there. Uh, obviously, you want to start with Kyler Murray. He was the biggest question mark heading into the day. He uh, measured five foot ten inches and uh, one twelfth, so he's uh, he's a little bit taller than some people expected. Of course, at Oklahoma he was listed at five ten, but many expected him to be closer to five eight or five nine. Now that he's in the five ten range officially, uh, you get the comparison for the Russell Wilson height. Russell Wilson was also in the five ten range, and then Murray weighing in at two hundred and seven pounds. That's really impressive. Uh, he's obviously bulked up, but many around the league are saying that it looks like a functional weight. He doesn't look like he's overweight or bloated or anything like that. So it's good to see Kyler Murray uh, apparently being able to hold his weight up above 200 pounds. And that really answers a lot of the questions about durability. He didn't have durability issues at Oklahoma or in high school. Um, thanks in large part really to him avoiding big hits and not not being defenders not being able to get clean hits on him he's excellent sliding and avoiding contact another important measurement here for kyler murray his hands are nine and a half inches so that's uh, comparable to 
a lot of the quarterbacks in this class and comparable to Baker Mayfield from last year's uh, combine. He ended up going number one overall last year. So Kyler Murray had a very good day. Uh, Again, he's over five foot ten inches tall. He's at two hundred seven pounds, and he has nine and a half inch hands. So this is a guy that you feel really comfortable with now in terms of his weight, his hand size, and at five ten, I think most teams will feel comfortable with that. He's not a guy that got a lot of passes batted down at the line in college. So I think that uh, this was a huge win for Kyler Murray. Now, it has yesterday I reported uh, from Rich Eisen that. Murray was likely to participate in the drills and throw at the combine. Now he's planning on not doing so, but it does seem like there's some wiggle room that maybe later on in the week, if he feels the itch to go out and throw or participate in some drills, that he could potentially do that. But as of right now, he's planning on not throwing. I don't think that hurts his draft stock at all. People know what type of arm he has. It would just be really nice to see him against or on the field with uh Receivers that he hasn't thrown to before, uh, you'll see him. You would have seen him, you know, compared directly to all the other quarterbacks in the class, namely Dwayne Haskins, who's who I would like to see who looked better in shorts out there. But um, it doesn't look likely that that's going to happen at this point. Dwayne Haskins, getting to him, he he weighed in 231 pounds. He's six foot three inches and uh, six foot three point three. So he has uh, got plenty of height there. And his hands are nine and five eighths. You like to see that. Uh, no, no red flags with Haskins weigh in at all. Uh, Drew Locke, he's six foot three point six, two hundred twenty-eight pounds. And uh, interestingly enough, for such a big guy, he has only nine-inch hands. So I don't know if that's going to be a red flag for NFL teams or not. I think if you like Drew Locke, you like Drew Locke. He's got a lot of red flags, anyways. Footwork, mechanics, consistency, etc. Uh, Daniel Jones, the second tallest quarterback that we've seen today, six foot five inches point one. He uh, weighed in at two hundred twenty one pounds, and he has hands nine and three quarters. So you really like his measurables there, in terms of the prototypical type of size that you're looking for from an NFL quarterback. Again, I'm not a real big fan of Daniel Jones. He struggled to even complete sixty percent of his passes at the college level, so I'm not a big fan of projecting him to becoming uh, just magically a guy that can complete more passes at the next level. Jarrett Stidham, he uh, came in at six foot two inches, point three, 218 pounds, hands at nine and one eighths. Uh, not great there for Stidham, not terrible. Uh, he's a guy who, a lot of different mixed opinions on him coming out. I certainly think he has the potential to become a good NFL quarterback, but he's got a long way to go. Um, a lot of talent, but hasn't been able to put it all together. And he's deceptively athletic as well, so he could be a mobile-type quarterback at the next level. Uh, Will Greer, who is my third quarterback in terms of my quarterback rankings for this year's class, he came in at six foot two inches, point four. 217 pounds, and he had nine and three-eighths hands. So uh, not not bad here for Will Greer. I think you'd like to see hands that are closer to nine and a half, but nine and three-eighths is right there. Six foot two, a lot of people thought he was going to be shorter than that. I think six foot two and a half is very good for Will Greer. Um, Baker Mayfield was six one last year, so he's got the height advantage there. 
Uh, Will Greer is a guy I think could become a very good NFL quarterback. I think he needs to play a lot less hero ball, which maybe we'll talk about that more in a later episode. But again, he's six foot two and a half, almost 217 pounds, nine and three eighths hands. Uh, then we get to Ryan Finley from NC State. He's six foot four inches, 214 pounds. He has nine and a half inch hands, so you like all his measurables there. Um, Tyree Jackson, who, if you don't know who Tyree Jackson is, he's a really interesting player out of Buffalo. Uh, not overly athletic, and he's really inconsistent. He's made some of the best throws that you'll see from a quarterback in this class, and he's also made some of the worst throws and decisions. But he weighed in at uh, 249 pounds, six foot seven inches tall. Hands by far the biggest here, 10 and 2 eighths inches. So Tyree Jackson, he's going to end up getting drafted and going somewhere. Not sure where. I would, I wouldn't touch him until day three as a major project quarterback. But uh, some team might fall in love with that size, uh, weight um, combination there. And then Brett Ripien, finally, uh, he's the last guy who I have made really interest in as a quarterback here from um, Boise State, six foot one, two hundred and ten pounds, and nine inch hands. So not great measurables there for Ripien, but he's a consistent player. Uh, I think he'll probably end up going higher than some people think in this class, just because he's a consistent college player that uh, shows a lot of what you want for in the mental makeup side of the game from an NFL quarterback. Um, that does it for the quarterback combine measurements of guys that I'm intrigued by. Uh, of course, there are some more players there at the quarterback position, but I don't really care to get into those guys. But again, Kyler Murray weighing in at five foot ten inches, point one, two hundred seven pounds, nine and a half inch hands. That's huge for Kyler Murray's draft stock. And uh, if you didn't, if you didn't hear it earlier, Murray will not plan on throwing the ball at the combine or participating in any other drills. Of course, that could change. Hopefully it will. I'd love to see him throw, but it will not hurt his draft stock to not throw out there. Uh, people know what type of arm he has if they've studied his tape, and it's an impressive one, no doubt about it. So now we're going to move on to my nickname for Dave Caldwell, Deceptive Dave Caldwell. I believe that uh, if you take too much into, or you read too much into what Dave Caldwell says at this time of year, you're going to end up getting burnt. So I wanted to just touch on some of the things he said to the media yesterday and uh, really just kind of give my opinion on, on what Dave Caldwell has going on in his head. So he talked about trading up yesterday. He mentioned that with the extra draft picks the team has, which they have two third-round picks, that they could potentially trade up in the first round. Um, course I would be a fan of that I think landing a quarterback uh, is paramount here in the first round and ensuring that you're able to do so is never a bad decision uh, he also talked about potentially taking skill position in the first round and then going for a quarterback in round two so those two uh, those two comments would seem to contradict each other uh, very interesting of course I would prefer the Jaguars to take a quarterback in round one but Again, Caldwell might just be throwing up smoke screens right here. Uh, he also said he was comfortable with the Jaguars wide receiver group. This is a wide receiver group that led the NFL in drops. Uh, Keelan Cole was a shell of himself last year. 
course, Marquise Lee is coming off a season-ending knee injury. Uh, and and DJ uh, Chark, he was very disappointing from the wide receiver position as a rookie. Of course, he excelled as a special teamer, but he suffered an injury that uh, hampered his production later in the season, and he was not impressive as a receiver, to say the least. Uh, and then your other guy that you have... Uh, that you do feel really comfortable with is D.D. Westbrook. He really showed off what he can do as a receiver and punt returner last year. But if if you're really comfortable with that group for an NFL franchise, I mean, Keelan Cole, you don't know what you're going to get from him. D.J. Chark, you don't know what you're going to get from him. Marquise Lee, he's a pretty good football player coming off a knee injury, so you don't know how quickly he'll recover. And then D.D. Westbrook is the only guy who had solid production last year. So I think that Caldwell might be throwing some smoke screens again with that comment. He was asked about Dwayne Haskins, and he pretty much just said, we'll see with that one. So I really don't think Dave Caldwell said anything yesterday. I think he wants you to read into what he's saying, and I have a strong reason for believing this. Uh, going back to the year that he drafted Blake Bortles, he wouldn't even say Blake Bortles' name because he did not want himself and the Jaguars tied to Blake Bortles. Now, obviously, Bortles was not the player he should have taken, but that's not my point here. My point here is that Dave Caldwell does not like to talk about the players that he's going to draft. He simply doesn't like to do it. So when someone asks him about Dwayne Haskins and he says, we'll see, that's giving a vanilla answer. When he says he feels good about the Jaguars wide receiver group, that might mean that he wants DK Metcalf or Kelvin Harmon in the first round. It might mean that he wants to take a wide receiver in the second round. It might mean that he actually is comfortable with the, with the group. You don't know what he's actually thinking. And then when it comes to trading up or uh, taking a quarterback in the second round, again, those two things contradict each other. I think Dave Caldwell, despite his failures and, and some areas of being the Jaguars GM, is absolutely a very deceptive general manager. And I think that... Uh, if you read too much into what he's saying right now, you're going to end up getting burnt and misled, and uh, you're going to be heading down a rabbit hole, and it'll be the wrong rabbit hole. So, I, again, I just would caution people to take too much out of what Dave Caldwell said to the media yesterday. Like to thank our sponsors, Bold City Brewery, the one and only sponsor of the show. Make sure to check out their tap rooms in Riverside and downtown, and you can check them out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Bold City Brewery. I'd also like to ask our listeners to review us on iTunes if you don't mind the iTunes podcast app. It really helps new listeners find us and helps with our ranking. So if you could please review us on the iTunes podcast app, that would be huge for us. Thank you very much. Thank you in advance. Uh, now, getting into Nick Foles. The Eagles came out yesterday, Howie Roseman, their GM, they said that they are going to let Nick Foles test free agency. I touched on this a little bit in the podcast yesterday, but since then, both Ian Rappaport, Rapsheet, and Adam Schefter have noted that the Jaguars are the favorites to land Foles. Um, whether that is speculation, league sources that they're not naming, or just connecting dots, I'm not sure the answer to that. But if both people from the two biggest networks, the two biggest guys for those networks, Adam Schefter for ESPN, of course, and 
uh, rap sheet for NFL Network are both reporting that there's a good chance that there's some truth to it. Um, Ian Rappaport spoke with the Jaguars uh, media earlier uh, today or yesterday. I'm not sure when the interview actually took place, but the Jaguars posted it today. Uh, he said that the Jaguars are the favorites to land Foles at this point. It's obviously not written in stone. It's not like it's definitely going to happen, but he believes they are the favorite. He says that having John DiFilippo helps. John DiFilippo, of course, worked with um, Nick Foles during the 2017 season, uh, the the Eagles championship Super Bowl season, where he was Foles' quarterback coach, and he got a lot out of him. Um, but he said... A rap sheet says that's not the only reason that Foles to the Jaguars makes the most sense. Nick Foles is going to want to go to a team that has a shot to win, and the Jaguars have all the talent in the world on the defensive side of the ball, and they have what should be an improved run game next year. And with good quarterback play, they could very well end up back in the playoffs and competing for a championship. So that is why uh, rap sheet believes that the Jaguars are a good fit for Foles, and he also believes that they're not in any sort of issue with the salary cap, which of course they're not. Currently, they only have three million in cap space, but they can easily clear some of that by parting ways with some veterans like Jeremy Parnell, Malik Jackson, obviously appears to be on the chopping block, potentially to Sean Gibson, um, and there's some creative ways the Jaguars can sign Nick Foles and not actually be paying him, uh, excuse me, not actually having his full salary counting against the salary cap, at least for the first season. So that gets me to how much would Nick Foles cost the Jaguars? I think his range is going to be 18 to 20 million. Blake Bortles' contract is 18 million currently. So I don't think that Foles would want to go any lower than that. But I also don't believe the Jaguars would really want to go much higher than that. So I think 18 to 20 to 21 million would probably be in the range that you're looking for for Nick Foles to sign with the Jaguars. But the thing about that is when Nick Foles signs that contract, instead of making his first year salary um, 18 to 21 million, they could make his first year uh, basically be a good portion of his his first year salary come from a roster bonus or a signing bonus, which would be huge in terms of salary cap space for the Jaguars. So, like, for instance, if they signed him for $19 million, they could give him a $8 million signing bonus, which means that only $11 million of his 2019 salary would count against the Jaguars' salary cap. So if you're talking about getting Nick Foles on the Jaguars roster and it only costing them 11 million against the salary cap or, you know, let's say 11 to 15 million against the salary cap, that would be huge and that's something the Jaguars have done a lot. Of course they did that yesterday with Marcel Darius um restructuring his contract and then giving him a roster bonus of 5 million up front which took off essentially 5 million from his uh from his cap hit. So the Jaguars can definitely get creative if they do want to sign Nick Foles. The dots connect, it makes a lot of sense, and the Jaguars are very good at contract negotiations and wiggling their way into more salary cap space than you think that they can actually uh, attain. So 
I think it makes a lot of sense. Rapsheet also talked a little bit about John DiFilippo, the Jaguars' new offensive coordinator, and he said it would be hard to imagine making a better coaching move than this. I mean, if that's not the biggest compliment you can give, I don't know what is. And and I totally agree with with Ian Rappaport here. DiFilippo had a obvious difference in uh, a difference of opinion in how the Vikings offense should have been ran last year than Mike Zimmer did, which led to him being fired midway through the season. Well, not midway, but towards the latter part of the season. And um, that obviously was unfortunate, but this is a guy that has had super success with quarterbacks, dating back to Oakland with Derek Carr, Cleveland, he had good success with Jock's excuse me, with Josh McCown prior to McCown getting injured midway through the season. We know what he did in Philly. And last year in Minnesota, Kirk Cousins had 30 touchdown passes and completed over 70% of his passes. So this is a guy that knows what he's doing in terms of the passing game. And I I agree with Rapsheet that I don't think the Jaguars could have made a better hire at the offensive coordinator position. Uh, Now, I would like to move forward into our quarterback offseason blueprint. So basically, I just want to go ahead and give my take on exactly what I would like the Jaguars quarterback room to look like and the different steps that they need to take to achieve that. They already have, in my opinion, the best third-string quarterback that they're going to get. And he's on their roster already. Alex Magoo was a seventh-round pick last year by the Seahawks. He's got a very strong arm. He's a mobile type of guy. And I think he has a lot of promise as a backup in this league. And I think that he really fits in terms of size, athleticism, arm strength, uh, what Dave Caldwell and the Jaguars really really like at the quarterback position and I think that he's just a better player than Tanner Lee. Tanner Lee obviously was a disaster of a draft pick in the sixth round. Alex Magoo could have been had around later but uh, moving on from that Magoo is now on the Jaguars roster and I believe he should hold down the third string spot. I think the Jaguars should use three quarterbacks this year instead of two and Magoo should be number three. That gets us to free agency is up next in terms of what the Jaguars can do to get their quarterback, starting quarterback of 2019. I think Nick Foles is obviously a good option. I think Tyrod Taylor is also a good option, and I even think Josh McCown would be a good option. Uh, Foles, we've talked extensively about what he can do, uh, what he's done with John DiFilippo. I think John DiFilippo would also be able to get the best out of Tyrod Taylor, who can hurt defenses with his legs. He's an accurate thrower. He's good at throwing the ball down the field, and he limits risks, which is something Doug Marone and Tom Coughlin obviously favor greatly, limiting risks. I really think that with Taylor's work ethic, athleticism, arm strength, he could have one of his better seasons as a pro under John DeFilippo's tutelage in Jacksonville. And then that gets us to Josh McCown, who would be the cheapest option, I believe, uh, he is he's an elder statesman in the NFL, but he is very knowledgeable about the game, very hard worker. And again, in 2015, with John DiFilippo as his offensive coordinator in Cleveland, McCown was having a career year before he got injured. Uh, obviously, McCown wouldn't be as sexy of a splash uh, signing as 
Nick Foles or Tyrod Taylor, but I think that he's a guy that could work and could really help in tutoring a young rookie quarterback and getting him ready to be a starter, almost like a second coach. Um, so again, I, I believe Foles, Taylor, McCown, that is what the Jaguars should do in free agency, and they're not going to have to spend as much against the cap in 2019 as you might believe or as some might lead you to believe. All of these guys they could sign, I believe, for $20 million or less. Obviously, Foles would be the most expensive, but with that signing bonus or roster bonus, Foles could be under $15 million. Taylor could be around $10 million. Uh, and McCown, and again, we're talking about salary cap hit, not total salary. Just the salary cap hit is what's important for 2019. And then McCown, I think you could be looking at, you know, far less than 10, 10 mil a year. So uh, you got a lot of good options here in terms of the quarterback market, free agent market, for getting a guy that could work well with John DiFilippo. Um, and then finally, getting into the draft, I believe the Jaguars should trade up to three or five. Three would be with the New York Jets, who yesterday said they would be open to trading that draft pick, uh, or even up to five with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who are not quarterback needy. They're going to stick with Jameis Winston. Bruce Arians is a big fan of Winston. Um Trading up to three would pretty much ensure that you're going to be able to get Haskins or Murray, whichever one is available there. It seems like there's a possibility that Murray goes number one overall to the Cardinals. Uh, Steve Kime was very noncommittal to Josh Rosen yesterday, and we all know Cliff, King Cliff Kingsbury, who's their head coach over in Arizona. We all know his affinity for... Kyler Murray. But if Kyler Murray did go number one overall in that situation, I believe getting up to three, you'd be able to nab Haskins in front of anybody who else who might be trying to draft Haskins, such as the Giants, uh, Redskins, or potentially the Dolphins. Now, if you traded up to five, I think you'd be taking a little bit of a risk, but you would be getting in front of the Giants, who are at number six overall who I believe are absolutely in the market for drafting a quarterback this year. Yesterday they said they're going to stick with Eli Manning in 2019, but I definitely think that uh, they're going to follow the Kansas City approach, as everyone's calling it, or the Kansas City model, and drafting a quarterback to be groomed under Eli Manning and then start that quarterback in 2020, not 2019. Uh, so... That's how I see the draft playing out for the Jaguars, or what I would do if I was the Jaguars in the first round. I would definitely trade up to ensure you get in front of the Giants at the very least and go get your rookie quarterback, either Kyler Murray or Dwayne Haskins. So that gives you now four quarterbacks on the roster, and then I would, uh, to get rid of that fourth quarterback on the roster, which is Blake Bortles, I would cut him post-June 1st, which would save the team $9 million against the salary cap, and it would just really help out the Jaguars in terms of their salary cap of 2019 and even moving forward into the future. Uh, getting that $9 million would allow the Jaguars to potentially trade for a uh, skill position player or 
or whatever position that they feel like they need to really upgrade their team midway through the season if they're competing for a playoff spot, and it would set them up better for 2020 salary cap as well. Um, so getting back to, and that's my whole quarterback blueprint. You go with Alex Magoo, third string. Starter this year would be Foles, Taylor, or McCown, and then you trade up to three or five to get your rookie quarterback Cut Bortles post 6-1, save $9 million, and then you just win games. But whether it's Foles, Taylor, or McCown, or even Haskins or Murray, I believe that John DeFilippo, flip as I like to call him because I don't like saying John DeFilippo, will be able to get the most out of whichever quarterback he has under center. In Oakland with Derek Carr, he did great things as a rookie quarterback. In Cleveland with Josh McCown, great things in 2015. Philly, Carson Wentz, Nick Foles, great things. Minnesota, again, like I told you, Kirk Cousins had 30 touchdown passes, only 10 interceptions, and completed over 70% of his passes last year. John DeFilippo is going to get the most out of whichever quarterback is uh, under center or at the helm, whatever you'd like to say. Uh, he's going to do the best. He's going to get the best out of whichever quarterback it happens to be. So I really believe the Jaguars are going to have a decent quarterback situation uh, in 2019 and beyond. And I, I strongly believe that signing a free agent and drafting either Dwayne Haskins or Kyler Murray is the way to go for the Jaguars this offseason. I'd like to know your thoughts. You can. Uh, Hit me up on Twitter at Jordan DeLugo or uh, hit up the show at Generation Jag on Twitter. Let us know your thoughts on what we have said here today. And we really appreciate you listening. That's going to do it for the show. Again, if you can, please review us on the iTunes podcast app. It would really help uh, out our ratings and help us get higher up on the list for people looking for Jaguar shows and sports NFL shows. Uh, thank you for tuning in. And hope you have a great day, Duval. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.